Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 4 tonight. Uh, John chapter 4, we're going to read beginning in verse 31. And if you want to put your finger in Matthew chapter 6, we'll probably look at those verses over there. Uh, a couple, 10 or 11 verses in that uh, chapter as well. But we often are guilty of focusing our attention and efforts on material or physical needs, are we not? Oftentimes that tends to distract us and consume most of our uh, time and energy and, and, and finances sometimes. And, and it kind of can hinder our ability to fulfill uh, the commandment to reach our community and to preach the gospel uh, wherever we're at, to preach the gospel to every creature. So that would mean coworkers and family members, and all them creatures we got out there. Uh, listen, family, some family, man, that's a good description of them, a creature, you know, uh, at least in my family, in, in my wife's side anyway. Um, but, uh, but listen, if we're not careful, we can become complacent or even apathetic in those things. And that's a dangerous place to be because we will all give an account of how we have conducted ourselves. So tonight I just want to talk about a refocus, if you will, uh, a refocus to ensure we're where we ought to be in these things. Uh, and as a reminder, actually, go ahead and stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we'll, read, we'll start out in John chapter 4, verse 31. We'll read our text and then I'm going to, I'll have you see, be seated and then we'll look in Matthew. But... Uh, Look at what it says in John 4 and verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat uh, is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh a harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Father, tonight we do thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we could set aside the cares of this world for the next few moments, and Lord, that we can just focus on your word. And I ask, Lord, that you just give clarity. And Lord, that you fill this place with the Spirit of God, and that we would hear from heaven, and Father, that you would just help us to be better servants for you, and that we would be more conformed to the image of Christ through the things that we hear from your word tonight, and we'll give you the glory for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, we oftentimes can get focused on those physical things, uh, and those things are necessary. Uh, my wife prepared a dinner, and I ate before we came tonight, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, She had to focus on those things and to take care of those things. But if we're not careful, we can begin to overemphasize the importance of those things. And so if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 24 down through 34. And this is just reading for reminder's sake. Uh, I may make a few comments here, but this is not our text passage. I just want to remind you. That God is better about taking care of those things than you ever will be. Uh, So let's look at what this says. And we'll begin reading in Matthew 6 and verse 24. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the... Or or, excuse me. Else he will hold to the one and despise the other. 
you cannot serve God and mammon. It's impossible. Right? But sometimes we, we often try that. Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature? So far I have been unsuccessful there. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, and neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? That's a sobering thought. Oftentimes it's just simply a lack of faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You can go back to John chapter 4. But I just want to remind you, oftentimes we get distracted. And we consume ourselves with whether or not we're going to be able to provide for ourselves or our family. And if you would just put God first, He can take care of that in a better way than you ever can. Uh, and that doesn't mean there's no effort or energy. Uh, I'm not saying quit your job and be lazy, bum, and uh, you still need to work, especially you men. Uh, but So don't misunderstand me there tonight. But I, what I want you to understand is where's your focus? Or what are you purposing to do on a daily basis? Uh, so now back to our, our text passage here in John chapter 4. If you look at verse 8, I'm just going to highlight a, things and, a few things and kind of bring you to where we're at. Of course, this is the passage uh, with the woman at the well. And, and we know I must need to go through Samaria, per, Jesus' purpose to go and, and to have this meeting. But look at verse 8. and It says, For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. And, and the Bible's not explicit here. It doesn't specifically say... Uh, what all was taking place here. Uh, but they were focusing on the physical. Uh, they had went away to, do, to, to get some meat. They, they were gone to get some grub. I don't think they had Grubhub, no DoorDash. It wasn't going to be delivered where they were at. And so they had to go do it themselves. And then in verse 31, look at their focus again. It's just their, their mind is not in the same place that our Savior's is. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. And so now they come back and and they've seen him. Look at verse 27. And his disciples, uh, and upon this came his disciples. And so this is, they come upon Jesus and in the interaction with the woman at the well. Uh, and, and, and so they see that taking place. And, and they marveled uh, that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? Uh, their mind was in a totally different place than our Savior. Their mind was on the physical. Uh, they were focused on uh, meeting the needs of, of the body, if you will. And our Savior was not. He was focused on doing the will of the Father. Uh, he was committed to ensuring that he was going to be uh, doing what God had called him to do. Uh, and so tonight, 
I just want us to reevaluate our priorities. And so I have four thoughts for you that will, I believe will help us refocus. I know many of you have probably heard, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? You know, to glorify God and to reach people, to reach the lost. We know he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his goal. That was uh, what God had sent him to do. And he never wavered from that purpose, uh, even unto death. Uh, and so, but if we're not wise, we can begin to think that we have more time than we do. So tonight, we need to reject complacency. So the apostles, they're, they're consumed with taking care of the physical needs, even to the point that they say, hey, master, uh, eat. And he, and he says this, he says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And of course, that causes some discussion among them. What's going on here? Did somebody already feed the guy? Uh, you know, and Jesus says to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Uh, his focus was much different than what they were concerned with, at least at that time. But verse 35, and here's the Next, uh, verse 35 and 36, we'll pull a few principles out of there that I hope will help us tonight. But it says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. How oftentimes we get complacent, and we think we have more time. We're going to have another opportunity. We need to be careful. James 4, 13 and 14, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will... Go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Listen, the reality is we don't even know if we have tomorrow. And so we need to be very careful that we don't become complacent. That we will always have the opportunity to witness to our coworker, Or that we will always have an opportunity to witness to a family member. Or that barista at Black Hills Blend. That's to me, by the way, because I frequent there. Listen, I'm sure many of you have plans for tomorrow. Who has plans for tomorrow? I do. Uh, my plans are different than what they were when I woke up today. But, um, but do those plans include sharing Christ? Or have you become complacent? You don't even think about it. But listen, we must be intentional about sharing the gospel. Before we go to bed tonight, we need to decide that we are going to share Christ. Uh, And uh, not just with our lifestyle. Boy, I live right. That should be enough. No, he wants us to speak up. He wants us to share Christ. Christ was, and we're not going to take the time, but you guys, I think, are familiar with the woman at the well in that story where he says he must needs go through Samaria. He was very intentional on what he was doing. This wasn't a lackadaisical, well, if I got time, if I think about it. No, he had made the decision prior to even getting to where he was going that he was going to share Christ. He was going to share the gospel with the one in need. And so tonight, are you complacent? Listen, I get it. The daily grind of life can cause us to become complacent in our service. I've been there. And I praise the Lord for the opportunity I have today that I, haven't, I didn't have for 20 plus years. I had to go to work and, and there were things and there were requirements. And, and so I, I praise the Lord for this opportunity. But listen, I want to warn you tonight, be careful that you don't just become in the rut of life or complacent in how you go about this thing. 
and church attendance begins to just become the norm. Because it, it really, this is just the place for us to come to get energized to go out and do what we need to do. Uh, and so, uh, listen, be intentional. Complacency, self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. An instance of unusually unaware or uninformed self-satisfaction. Do you believe that the people that you come in contact with throughout your daily life that are not in Christ are going to spend eternity in the lake of fire? Or are you just complacent? Yeah. Listen, hell's real. Uh, the lake of fire is real. And the people that we interact with, and if they don't come to know Christ, they're going to go there and be tormented for eternity. And so, listen, perhaps it's apathy. Maybe we just don't care. We're not concerned with their need. That is so polar opposite to our Savior. The Word of God says that He was moved with compassion. He, he looks on the multitudes of these people as sheep not having a shepherd, and He's just moved. And it caused Him, when He was wearied, to continue ministering. And so, listen, we need to be very careful that we don't get complacent and we uh, neglect to understand the urgency of the condition of those around us. They're in a dire situation. The Word of God tells us they're condemned already. Albert Barnes uh, makes some notes on this about Jesus being laser-focused on his, his priority. And it says this, it says, My meat, uh, Jesus here explains what he said in, in verse 32. And this is his commentary on verse 34. It says, His great object, the great design of his life was to do the will of God. He came to the place weary and thirsty and at the usual time of meals, he's probably hungered, it says, yet an opportunity of doing good presented itself. And he forgot his fatigue and hunger and found comfort and joy in doing good, in seeking to save a soul. This one great object absorbed all of his powers and made him forget his weariness and the wants of nature. The mind may be so absorbed in doing the will of God as to forget all other things. Intent on this, we may rise above fatigue and hardship and want and bear all pleasure in seeking the work of God advance. End quote. But how often do we get it reversed? Listen, we go and we find all kinds of reasons to make excuse. We're tired, we're weary. We go on vacations, but we come back exhausted. I don't think we're doing it right. <laughs> I've been there. Cindy and I, we, we traveled from overseas back to the States, and you spend time with family, and then you travel back, and, and all the time zone changes, and you, get, you land back there, and it's like, I've got to go to work tomorrow. I can't believe this. Listen, that's not getting away. And so, listen, there are times we need to rest, and so don't misunderstand me, but a lot of times we make excuse. Well, I'm tired. But the reality is we're just complacent. If we would just be honest with ourselves, 
uh, we're just making up excuses because it soothes our conscience, I think. It helps us feel better about that we wasted our day. And that doesn't mean we weren't productive, but were we intentional on sharing our faith? And so we've become complacent, and the result of that is sometimes we feel guilty, and so then we make excuses about, well, I'm tired and I don't feel good, or whatever the case may be. And all those might be well and good. Uh, You might truly be sick. You might truly be wearied. Uh, Take time to rest in those things. But what I'm talking about is what are you focused on? Or have you allowed yourself to become complacent in sharing your faith? Uh, Secondly tonight, restore the priority. So if you have become complacent, what do we do? We need to restore the priority. Uh, What is the priority? Jesus says in verse 35, it says, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. There's the priority. The lost. The harvest is there. Uh, It's ready. Are you a people watcher? Most everybody I've ever met says they are. I like to watch people. They're goofy. But did you ever know that if you like doing that, there's other people doing that to you? Just just, Just a thought tonight. You know, somebody's looking at you thinking, look at that goofball. But, um... But tonight, if you would just take some time to look at those people around you, uh, those people that you work with, maybe the family that you interact with, and, and you would look at them like our Savior does, as a lost people, as sheep without a shepherd. I would like to think that would burden your heart. And knowing that you have the answer, and that you are in Christ, that it would break your heart to think, boy, these people, if they don't hear, they're going to hell. Listen, the priority is to reach the lost. The harvest is ready. It's now. It's today. It's not in four months. It's, the reality is it's every day. I would say there's probably very few people in this room that can go about a day, any given day of the week, and not come in contact with somebody that doesn't know Christ. There may be some, but that's probably the exception and not the rule. And so the reality is all of us at times are in contact with people that do not know Christ and are going to spend eternity in hell. And if we don't say something, who is? If the people that say that they have the truth... I don't want to meddle too much, but listen, independent, fundamental KJV Baptists are some of the worst. Because we stand hard and we pound the pulpit about things and our standards and our convictions. And we're voiceless in our communities when it comes to sharing the gospel. But everybody knows we got standards because those are the things that rile us up because the reality is it's pride and it's in the flesh. Listen, I'm all for standards. I'm all for uh, being set apart and living. You do it as God directs you to do that. So don't misunderstand me. I believe we ought to be a peculiar people, a separate people. We ought to look different. But don't major on the things that God doesn't major on. Christ, we we didn't read this, but I'm just trusting you're familiar with this passage. He didn't labor a lot on her life other than to point out, hey, you're in sin. 
he didn't try to change her lifestyle before she received Christ. It was only after that. And so listen, don't, uh, we just, listen, I, I don't want to ramble. Be careful where your focus is. They need Christ. They don't need your preferences or your opinions. Jesus' priority was the lost. I already mentioned he came to seek and to save that which was lost. But John 6, 38 says this, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. He was committed to doing the will of the Father. Are you committed to doing what God wants you to do? Listen, in Christ, there truly that you have no other greater purpose than to live for Him and to share the gospel. I want to remind you tonight, you're bought with a price. Your life is not your own any longer. We know Jesus was faithful. In John 17, 4, it says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I trust you desire to get to the end of this life and you're able to stand before God and say, Lord, I did everything that you want me to do. <clears throat> Listen tonight, we have work to do. We are commissioned to preach the gospel to every creature. We are to reach our community. And so my question tonight, have you preached Christ to anyone around you lately? Have you even opened your mouth and attempted to share Christ in our community in any way? I'll even give you credit if you pass out an invite card or a gospel track. But are you? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died and, uh, for them and rose again. Listen, we ought to be living for him. We owe him everything. Uh, there's no other focus, no other priority that we should have. Listen, I get it. We have to work. Please continue to work. We need the lights to stay on. Right? Work and tithe. And, and if we would just do it the way God ordained it, I think we could change our community. Twelve men turn the world upside down. We got a couple twelves in here tonight. But does our community know we're here? Do your coworkers know that you're here tonight? Not because you're touting church faithfulness, but because you've shared Christ with them. And they know that you're a Christian at least. Listen, you don't have, you're not responsible for the result. I'm not telling you you need to go and win everybody that you work with to Christ and they're all going to get saved and everything's going to be sunshine and butterflies because that's not the reality of it. But you do have a responsibility to open your mouth and to share it. And if you're not doing that, whoa, you will be held accountable for to whom much is given, much is required. And, and so again tonight, recognize the urgency. There in verse 35, it says they are white already to harvest. Listen, John 3.18, it says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, they're condemned already. They're on their way to hell. It's an urgent matter. It's not something that we can just put off until we're comfortable or until we think it's the right time. Uh, it needs to happen today. 
Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, it says this, And that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. It says this, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Listen, the time is up. The time is now. It's time to wake up and, and to cast these things off and to put on the armor of light and to begin sharing Christ. And back to 2 Corinthians verse five in, in, or chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it is good or bad. Listen, it's an urgent matter. We don't know if we're going to make it to Sunday to gather again together. You don't know if your coworker is going to be at work tomorrow. You don't know if your family is going to be at Thanksgiving because you're waiting until Thanksgiving to share Christ with them. No one knows the day nor the hour. And so what I'm telling you tonight is today or now is the time to get serious about this because it's urgent. We need to be focused on reaching those around us. And lastly tonight... Listen, we have an opportunity to just rejoice in all of this. Verse 36, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Uh, listen, there's no joy like serving the Lord. Uh, the joy and pleasure that comes from serving Him is really beyond measure. Uh, we've looked at 1 Corinthians 3, but I'm going to read a few more verses for every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Listen tonight, there's rewards. <laughs> and we can labor in this life to lay up things, homes, cars, whatever. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but what's your focus? But that's where the moss or the moth and the rust and all that corrupts these things. Or you can lay up treasures in heaven that fadeth not away. And so tonight, don't get short-sighted. It's easy to get complacent. It's easy to get distracted with meeting the needs that we have here because they are needs. They're legitimate physical needs. We do need to, to eat and we do need sleep and, and those things. But listen, don't ever lose focus of what the main thing is uh, to sharing Christ because you will give an account. And I can't imagine... Being the yet so as by fire guy. Boy, here I am, I'm saved. But there's not much of a reward. Because we were negligent. We were complacent. We were apathetic. Uh, 
listen, our Savior is the greatest example of how we ought to live the Christian life. Praise God for earthly examples. I talked to a great friend of mine uh, this morning and uh, <clears throat> just really a mentor in the faith, uh, one of the, the godliest men I, I know, and I appreciate his example and I would love to follow in his footsteps. But he's nothing to Christ. And so, I urge you to follow the example of our Savior that was laser-focused on doing what the Father had sent him to do. And don't get distracted with the things of the world. Lord, help us to be about the Father's business. Let's pray.